the football pod. Booing and the jeering and the anticipation. And then as he strikes it, there's that intake of breath because he puts the bloody ball 14 uh, yards beyond. The, the second he hits it, I knew we were under pressure. Like. Subscribe to the football pod on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Right, Alan Quillen is back uh, from his trip. How was it? It was excellent, Jerry. Yeah, it was yeah. superb. Um, Were you there when the chicken was being stolen at the end? Uh, no, I wasn't. I wasn't. I was gone home. I was actually in that bar about maybe an hour before that, and uh, it looked like they were having a good time. Yeah, they were. It was. I was surprised. It was. Um, I'm not surprised, but I, th- I was surprised maybe that all New Zealanders, the All Blacks, were out as well. Yeah, I know you have to have a few beers, and you yeah. can't kind of wallow at home. But they were all seem to be mixing and getting on fine. Yeah, and, uh, I did see some Justin Marshall footage as well later on, where he was getting into it with some of the All Blacks. Yeah, that was Akiri Ioani, which was um, I wasn't there for. It. I was actually we went. I went to the team hotel. Um, to meet Justin Marshall and Jeff Wilson because they were working with Sky and yeah. we kind of collaborated on a few pieces uh, for, for Sky New Zealand and Sky UK and Ireland as well and um, so we'd been together a fair bit over the tour so I went and met them there it was a quiet little kind of hotel bar off just a block or two off the beaten track that you know there was no passing traffic there yeah. and nobody really knew about it um, the players were obviously you know in a way in their own kind of private room and then they went out on out on, on the town if you like but um, so I was there about maybe half one two o'clock and with, with the Sky New Zealand guys and we walked up to that bar so I was with Justin Marshall for a good while before that and um, I actually left my bag back in the hotel when I went into that bar Mishmosh it was called and um, in Courtney Place in Wellington and I went back to get my bag and then I came back to the the nightclub bar, bar whatever it was and I just kind of decided against I said it was around three half three in the morning I had an early start uh, I was keen to see a little bit of the I needed to get packed up anyway and stuff like that so I went back to the hotel and then I saw that the next day but I don't know what happened I think it was just a few verbals but I kind of you know when when, when I'm on the other side now on the media side I kind of feel that um, if I was in Justin Marshall's position of maybe critiquing you know his home team. Like maybe I would have had to do and 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 talk talk about um, the disappointment of the losses. Maybe that filters back to some of the New Zealand players as well. And I probably have experienced a little bit of that before when you know I criticised Munster or if I criticised Ireland or something like that. Which is, I feel a little bit for him because oh, he was doing his job. Well, you can say ten, you can say nine good things, Ger. About, no one hears about them. a team. Yeah, yeah and you yeah. say one bad thing, and everybody hears it. And I think uh, Kiri Ioani would have been probably. Yeah. It's a little bit like the Roy Keane, Paul Pogba stuff, or um, they're making these Instagram videos and stuff. When, when you're winning, you can make any sort of videos or kind of. But when you're losing, and I think it reflects badly on Akira Ioani being the hard man at four o'clock in the morning um, giving verbals to to a guy who's a very good commentator doing his job um, yeah and you know maybe he'd have been better advised to you know have verbals with Peter O'Mahony or Caelan Doris or Josh van der Fleer because they totally outplayed him um, and look that's you know at the end of the day I think Savea and Yoani uh, actually did okay for, for, for the All Blacks in that third test um, he got a very good try Ioanni I think but 
he's not a regular on the All Blacks team and that doesn't mean you can't tell someone what you think of him but I just think it reflects a little bit yeah, worse do it, on do him Yeah, do it in the morning bit. in the cold light of day. Yeah, or do it, and do it at, a, at one of the training sessions, a media event or something and when you're interviewed say I'm not impressed with what he's saying or, or whatever but anyway, look, things happen with a few beers on board and I was kind of surprised that they were all there. I think they had a curfew to kind of leave. Maybe the curfew was four o'clock in the morning. It was a late curfew but I, I was surprised given, you know, you're in New Zealand you've just lost a series and the New Zealand public are pretty vocal and opinionated about about their team and they're not used to losing so were I'm not they, sure I would have been in that situation myself I probably they, would have been ducking away hiding somewhere for having a few beers were they good losers um yeah I think they were they were very gracious in in Wellington I think there was a few issues in Dunedin that I spoke to you about um again I even said that to Justin Marsh and Jeff Wilson when we were chatting um and they were kind of saying look it's this, you know a lot of students a lot of guys maybe not affiliated to rugby clubs they're just off for a, a bit of a party and uh, so it was a minority who kind of were a bit rude and stuff uh, at that game in Dunedin not to me but to some of the Irish supporters um, but you know the people in Wellington were and by and large they were very 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 gracious and complimentary of what Ireland um, achieved and I think Ireland gained unbelievable respect with the performances What do you think about them sacking some of the backroom team uh, it always feels a bit to me like scapegoats. Is that, is that uh, who's who picked them in the first place? Yeah, you either stick together or you go together. I think, and uh, that's that's. Um, but look, sometimes if the dynamic is not right, and you know, it's it's always a danger of coaches bringing in pals or friends or, or guys they've worked well with before. Rugby changes a lot. Um, the game is kind of keeps evolving. Um, and probably the Northern Hemisphere has probably shown that to the Southern Hemisphere and it's probably the biggest wake-up call for them that, you know, this X-factor brilliance or um, natural ability, there needs to be more to it than now because the game is like, it's a real science now. Sometimes it's quite boring to watch but, you know, recently we've seen and those test series in the summers shown that, you know, it can be very, very, very exciting as well. So I think it was... uh, John Plumtree and uh, you know I just think it's the two coaches going for the All Blacks is a little bit but maybe the people who will come in Jason Ryan has come in and I know he's highly thought of as a, as the forwards coach and the Crusaders and um, you know the, the New Zealand forwards looked to lack a bit of cohesion and understanding and implement any sort of force against Ireland in that in, in that second and third test and you know, if you look at Ireland scoring two mall tries, and I know that from being a, f- a forward before, it's it's kind of like front rows being pushed back in a scrum. It's it's you're being beaten by the opposition pack when the opposition are scoring mall tries. So I think they've jumped straight away and said our forwards are not performing well enough. Maybe they're not being coached well enough. Um, and this guy Jason Ryan has done a really good job for the Crusaders and of course there's a number of Crusaders forwards there you know White Clock so it might work out but it, it's not a great sign no well it's a sign that there's well it's it's an admission that there's problems there um, what we did is uh, probably walk walk ourselves into a bit of trouble here this morning Alan I hate this we, we've done this before um, we've talked about combined sides um, so I think maybe we should we should give ourselves a little bit of a, a bit of a shield here. If you'd picked a combined team after the first test, how many Ireland players would there have been in it? 
three, four, um, there would have been 11 or 12 um, New Zealanders. And that was based probably on about 15 minutes of absolute brilliance where they just blew Ireland away. And and they were ruthless in the tries they scored. I think the six tries they scored in that first test, and I've probably said it number, numerous times, and, and, and this is probably maybe the problem for New Zealand, at least four of them were preventable. And that sounds a little bit arrogant in saying that, but I think when you review it, um, they were probably soft tries for Ireland to give up. And that's probably the week of that second test, I think Andy Farrell and all the players, and I know from from kind of listening to what they were saying and their body language, they really believed that they could fix some of the issues. And maybe New Zealand thought, well, same is going to happen again. Um, we're going to have you know individual brilliance that's just going to blow Ireland away, and we'll 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 up the tempo and we'll we'll keep the scoreboard just out of reach for Ireland. And um, but you know there was a number of New Zealand players played really well. Scott Barrett was brilliant in that first test, you know, and I think he was a loss for him in uh, in the in, third test. Yeah, a, definitely a big big yeah. loss. And I think obviously moving into the second round, Whitelock missing the you know, kind of took a line-out option and, and took him out of the back row, even though, you know, traditionally he's a second row. But, um, you know, if you go to the second and third test then, like, being respectful, I think, the reality is that Ireland were, were pretty dominant in, in, you know, both those matches. I think the 15-minute, 15, 15-20-minute 15, period after half-time in the third test was Ireland were under the cosh and... You know, when it came back to 25-22 with Will Jordan's try, you think, trouble. Uh-oh. <laughs> but, um, it just goes to show how mentally strong Ireland were. That's that the, up to the best field. part about yeah, it. Yeah, I think that was the most pleasing thing for people. But um, And then some of the defence at the end, because that's stuff that you can really, really build on. And they didn't get it easy. So, you know, picking a, a combined team is, is risky territory. I think we did it a few years ago, but it's based on kind of the most recent results. Yeah, it's yeah, not it's not forever. Of, no. Yeah, it, it's, it's, not like it's kind of stupid in some ways in a sense that, it's you know, totally, there, there's yeah. only, you're splitting hairs between certain players and a little bit of form um, at, a, at a period of time. And just, just for, for, so for all our New Zealand viewers uh, and hello to you all, uh, after the first test, the only Irish players who you would have had in were Sheehan, Furlong, Josh van der Fleer and James Lowe. 11 All Blacks and you, you could have had a row about some of those as well. But anyway, after the third test where we've just... Yeah, and history. if I just clarify that, you know, Ty Furlong was under a bit of pressure. The scrum was, wasn't was perfect, but I just thought he's play around the field. Um, I just thought Sheehan was incredible for all, all those games. He's just non-stop yeah. And he's one of those kind of incredible footballers. He's a stepper, he's a, he's pace, he's acceleration, phenomenal player. Um, Josh van der Fleer for me in all three tests was sensational. If he stays fit for the rest of the year, he has to be World Player of the Year. Yeah, Very for close sure. To I think he's, his form is just incredible. And even in that first test, tackle after tackle after tackle after jackal at, at the breakdown, support play, hunting on the inside, you know, carries um, and j- just the level of performance. James Lowe was on the wing in that for after the first test. Did James Lowe have a brilliant game in the first test? Probably not. He didn't do anything wrong. But Fenga and Nuku 
didn't really do much for for New Zealand either. So again, you 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 know you kind of that's a, a tricky one, and that's no disrespect. James Lowe was brilliant in Test Two and Test Three, as were all the Irish players. Can I just ask a quick question? Why does James Lowe not take all of the penalties that we have with his big left boot? Why does he not just kick the touch? Like, why are we still letting Sexton do it? Just give your leg a rest there. This guy's got the he's got a cannon. Just let him do it because he does it sometimes. Randomly, they'll throw him the ball and he'll kick it and it goes miles. And then other times, you're like, just give it to him. Yeah, he he punts it a mile up the field, doesn't he? I think the accuracy part, and, and Johnny's probably missed one or two to touch yeah. in the last couple of years. Yes. And sometimes he looks a little bit fatigued. But, yes. um, and look with this. this is still, he's, still, he's kicking is still fine, but I think maybe out of, out of your own half, maybe if you want to really go lamp it for distance. Which, you know, he can do. Like, he's one of the longest kickers of a ball I've seen in any sport. For you, is that fair enough? 11-12 New Zealanders yeah, after totally. Test 1. Absolutely. They win by pretty dominant scoreline. I think Ireland's performance in the second half was heartening. They were held up over the line four or five times. Um, the Yardi Sevilla try, you'd say, is preventable. It's brilliant out of him. He's well, the an referee, incredible player. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, Sawakula try after scrum, again, preventable. Peter O'Mahony and the referee Carl Dixon probably you know got their Peter Manny wasn't happy that he thought Carl Dixon blocked him of course he didn't do that intentionally but you just look at the tries and the scores and think they're preventable and I just thought the heart and the kind of effort out of the team in the second half gave them some hope OK so we're going to flip it the other way so Jordy Barrett makes it Severis makes it Artie Sevilla makes it and is that it? Is there three? Is it 12? Three? Um, for the Four. Oh, Will, Will Jordan. Jordan. Will Jordan, yeah. And Will Jordan, yeah. Will Jordan is one of the greatest rugby players. It's, well, it's hard so to great see. to watch, isn't he? He, he really only had that, that, the that try. try. Yeah. But because he's so good, when you look at him, it's hard to leave him out of any team. Um, so I just think, you know, and then Robbie, um, Robbie Hench has a 13. Gary Ringrose, you know, if he played the first test, he could be, I think they had a big problem with their midfield in, in, in the three tests. Um, although Rico Ioanni probably saved two tries I don't know if you remember that period where he tackled Joey Carberry over the line they looked at it thought it was a seatbelt tackle I think he held up another Irish player he saved two tries in that first test I think he's a winger uh, Quinn Tupaya scored a try from the kick through from Bo- Bowden Barrett in that first test I think midfield is a problem for him David Havili had COVID before the first test he was probably going to start at 12 um, but I think it's an issue so I think two of the Irish you know Henshaw, Ringros and Aki two of them go in there in, you know, oh, I think, three. yeah and so that so that that's the the, the backs and obviously um, Sexton played his best ever games for Ireland and look, if you he, look at Jordy Barrett at full back Hugo Keenan was absolutely brilliant um, but you've just got this freak of Jordy Barrett he's a phenomenal player and I think they probably would be better off trying to play him at 12 so again that's unfair Sevu Reese, you know that second test I think he made three tackles in one kind of phase and two turnovers in the space of about a minute he's he's just kind of one of those outlandish players as well so Tyburn-esque yeah um, but you've picked the whole pack apart from Artie Sevea and uh, no one could complain about that because our pack was completely dominant in the and, third and test do you know what anyone who's going to criticise this online or make comments or whatever I'm fine with that. Tell me who else should be in here based on test two and three. So should 
Sam Kane be in there ahead of Josh van der Fleer? No. Should um, Whitelock? Well, Dalton Papalihi started at six in the second test and and then Akira Ioani started at six in the third test. So should either of them be there ahead of Peter Mahoney based on the... Not on this test series. Two or three? No. no. Ardi Sevilla... This isn't a team that's ever going to play. This is an all-star team at the end of the, at the, end yeah. of the season. Ardi Sevilla over Caelan Doris. I thought Caelan Doris was brilliant in test two or three. You asked me about the performance in one. He wasn't... Well, he was on he, the verge of being dropped. In, like, he wasn't that prominent. Yeah. And I think he... In test two and three, he was outstanding. He showed what kind of a footballer and the carries, the pace. Um, he can run at full pace and just step someone in, going into contact and he gets through that little gap. Uh, but Ardi Savea is, is just a freak in the best uh, in the best way possible. I think he'd 19 carries in that third test and you know two, three players hanging off him. He nearly dragged the All Blacks back into the game. There was one thing that I haven't talked about on air yet. There was footage on one of the Instagram accounts of uh, the Irish players at the end getting their photographs. They're, the players who st- the fans who stayed at the stadium asking the Irish players to take photographs and eventually Sexton, give me the phone. But Ardi Savea is, is over like bloody. This is like at the end still getting his photographs taken and taking the phone off people and going yeah okay no problem. I'll still post for photographs even though we've just made bad history here he seems like a good a top man yeah yeah seems so and I think they were um, obviously they were very disappointed but I think he was the one that could really walk around with his kind of head held high because yeah. he was so involved in everything yeah. um, James Ryan Tygburn the second row Whitelock was didn't really Sam Whitelock didn't really see him in that third test and Brody Retallick, um up to the point that he went off again. They did. They weren't really doing anything. Um, so, I think James Ryan was outstanding in the third test and in Test Two as well. So, who, and then of course Ty Byrne, what he did at the end with yeah. the, the turnovers and the big moments in the game. Who who's on your shortlist for Player of the Series? I would say um, you could pick three or four easily who were. It's probably unfair. Like I think Dan Sheehan, Tigburn, Van der Fleer, O'Mahony, um, Sexton for what he did, uh, Hugo Keenan. There's about six there that that just slightly edge ahead of the others. Yeah. Um, and who would your player of the tournament have been then? It's tricky. Um, I'd love to watch back the matches again and kind of go to them with a fine-tooth comb, but I think it'd be between Sheehan, Van der Fleer and O'Mahony. I probably would save Josh Van der Fleer given his high level of performance yeah. all the way through in each even, 80 minutes. Even in defeat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Martin Connell has been in touch on YouTube to say good man Quinny you did a great job tracking the news over in New Zealand you got plenty of thumbs up and cheers walking up and down the steps in the cake tin you spoke well in the breakdown too on Sky and then it's like whatever those symbols are thumbs up basically so you've you've won a legion of new fans don't, you usually get too many compliments but anyway not from New Zealand anyway no they were very good I think because I did go on the breakdown on a Sunday night and uh, they were trying to press me and think are Ireland going to win next week in the second test? And I was, the, what, I, what I really believed, Jared, was that they would be a lot better and they would run them close. I think 
you were trying to get it out of me that it was going to be a disaster and it was, we well, were going to it felt, that it could uh, go it felt after the Maori one and the first one God yeah. this is going to be a long tour but I think when you're on the ground and it's kind of hard to explain when you watch training when you see the players when you listen to the press conferences and you feel a little bit of energy it's kind of strange some people will say that doesn't make any difference but I, I think the psychology in sport makes a difference when you're kind of back of course it does and I just thought Ireland really kind of had probably looked at the video were frustrated with some of the decisions that went against them and well O'Mahony's post-match interview was unbelievably positive after the first one and I was very taken aback by it but he was like we're right in this and at the time before you know in in the heat of that moment you're like we weren't though we just got slaughtered but actually they he knew he knew that They'd yeah, held up I over think, the line you know, it does, it does make a difference tries. that they did. A lot of these guys have beaten New Zealand a number of yeah. times in the last few years. So that was the difference, maybe. Between the second tours. half was the key. I thought the easy thing to do would be, and probably we maybe we expected it at half time. This is going to get nasty and ugly in the second half. But Ireland, you know, I know they still lost the game. I think it was 32 17, but. Um, Gary Ringrose's try, Bundyaki's try, and then the amount of times in possession and, and the amount of times they were held up over the line gave them belief that if we fix the scrum issues um, yeah, and and a couple of line-out issues um, and probably a couple of kicks that they put into the backfield where they didn't manage their kicking game as well, um, I think they felt really that they would have a great chance in the second test. And the impressive thing for me was because I think the great thing about winning the third test is there was kind of reasons to say, well, the sending off the yellow cards, that affected New Zealand and we we, we kind of got the luck on the night. And we did get a little bit of a bounce of the ball here and there. Um, but I just thought that third test, that first half and the third test, unbelievable. You know, the kick chase, Gerard, the the organisation. They're like, savage. I didn't mention Robbie Henshaw and Tyg Furlong, but I tell you the tackles that those guys put in. And when you're there and you're kind of looking down and you see the work rate of some of the players. Yeah. Like Robbie Henshaw made some incredible reads there that stopped um, the likes of, of, of Sevu Reese getting the ball or, or Bowden Barrett getting on the outside channel. Um, I think from that 50-22 that Peter Romani did in the second test, um, uh, Richie Mo- the, we lost that line out I think it went over the top they tried to move it straight away and Bowden Barrett gave this kind of wide overs pass which means you can the pass is going to your outside and it's going to cross you and, and he was swerving to, to, to get outside the defender Robbie Hensham had this incredible read man ball tackles Severis comes in and tackles one of the Irish players through yeah. past the rock yeah Three points to Ireland, you know. Yeah, it it's moments like that. Well, that goes try the other well, end. He's, like, oh. If 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 Robbie Hench is not switched on, he's not such an intelligent, yeah. brilliant defender with a wonderful work rate. They could be gone into the field. All right. Well, um, I hope your social media is fine after this. I think it will be. I think they're not in any position yet to come after you, but they'll they'll save it for next year or the World Cup quarter final. Well, that's and the thing, <laughs> you know. And I look back at the the team, and we think may, maybe this will all happen again and we end up playing them in, in the World Cup quarterfinal or France if we get out of the group and if we beat Scotland and will we have the disappointment but 
this tour was was incredible and they deserve massive credit so and I think Andy Farrell got the mood right each yeah. week and his yeah. coaches they were absolutely brilliant no very impressive character Quinny good stuff thanks a million cheers sir OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar